0: talking Dice Masters, the beauty of the underlying mechanics, the hidden complexities and the strategy, tactics, and decisions of competitive play.
1: If you're just starting the game, or have been here since the first set,
0: hopefully you'll find something in this show that'll do you some good. So shake up your bag, reconnoiter your opponent, and get ready to roll. Welcome back to another episode of Rollin' Thunder. And it's nice to be back in oh so many ways. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But that's not to say we haven't been more than occupied. Just when you think that 2020 can't get any worse. <laughs> yeah. I've learned the hard way not to tempt disaster with such phrases. You see, think of this episode as a sort of time capsule. You'll know exactly when it was recorded from the particulars of the conversations, but suffice it to say that not long after we recorded these interviews fate came knocking at our door fate is is that what you're calling it <laughs> well your mom doesn't like to name it either she keeps saying medical events right which if you're following along with your decoder rings means heart attack he's trying to say that he had a heart attack <laughs> it does have a harsh sound fittingly so i must say at any rate i have to take this moment to publicly acknowledge you As the hero of the day. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just happened to be there. (laughs) Well, that's not entirely true. And thank God you were there. See, I was working at the computer, wishing that I hadn't wolfed down that bowl of cereal earlier when I decided to go to the bedroom where the air conditioning actually works to try to get a hold of myself. And things just went from bad to worse. What I originally thought was just a really bad case of indigestion turned into shooting pains, ripping through my chest and into my arms. I started thinking about calling 911 or even putting on my socks, and I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do either of those things. Fortunately, I was barely able to get my socks and shoes on, and thank God you were out in the other room playing piano. You just came out and said,
1: drive me to the hospital.
0: <laughs> no pressure for a guy who's driving with a learner's permit, right?
1: I mean, I was just like, okay, 40 miles an hour down Kenter, you know, because you wouldn't tell me what was going on. I was like... Okay, well something's up. So I just, we, we started driving, and started so we're going to take San Vicente. We're going to take Montana. How we're going to do this? And then we went to UCLA, and it all worked out.
0: Yeah, well, halfway there, you know, stubborn people can be stubborn to the bitter end. I think halfway there, I started to feel a little bit better. And I started to try to talk you out of driving. Me. I started going thinking, oh, maybe I should just go home and stuff. And fortunately, what did you say? We're going to the hospital.
1: <laughs> You're like, well, it's just indigestion. I think you know, it's really not a big deal. Why, why risk going to the hospital? So much COVID, <laughs> so much COVID everywhere. If we just go to the, the urgent care center, maybe it won't be an issue. I was like, we're
0: going to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, and a good thing too. So you not only drove me there, but you talked me out of doing something incredibly stupid after that. And then- then you had to drive yourself home alone, even though you're supposed to have another registered driver accompanying you in terms of your learner's permit. You definitely were the hero of the day. Well,
1: I was certainly worried about you and about the whole learner's permit thing, the way, the way my my perspective on the matter <laughs> is that I'm supposed to have my license by now. I just haven't been able to take the test yet because COVID. So that's that's my understanding of things, even if As a technicality,
0: it's not the truth. Fair (laughs) enough. Were there any events on the ride home, or was it easy peasy? Uh, It was
1: pretty easy. Yeah, that was it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, fair enough. Anyway, I, I, I spent some time in the hospital, and thanks to the miracles of modern medicine, I, like Tony Stark, am back on my proverbial feet. Sorry about that, folks.
1: At any rate, that's why this episode is a time capsule.
0: Right. You're going to hear an evergreen interview that we recorded on location after an event at Comic Hero U in Fullerton, where St. Louis's very own Craig Hubner was able to join the crew.
1: One of the great things about living in Southern California is that it's warm enough for us to play outside and socially distance with masks.
0: So with a lot of care and precautions, our scene has been able to stay active during this COVID crisis. And my heart goes out to anyone out there who's listening who has, you know, experienced this incredible wave of sorrow that's really struck the world. You know, we've been fortunate that we've been able to, with a kind climate here, to carry on safely. But anyway, I wanted to take Craig's visit as an opportunity to dream about a time after the vaccine comes out, when local scenes across the world can hopefully get back up on their feet. I was hoping to imagine a time and a place when local One Big Weekends can safely happen again and to even begin thinking about the necessary steps that will eventually be required to restart Local scenes.
1: Unfortunately, things have gotten a lot worse COVID-wise since we recorded this episode.
0: That's true, but maybe LeKuji J sometime next year. So that's the first part of this time capsule episode. Part two, we talk shop with Ron Hopkins, aka Ron PXPX, about his relatively new YouTube channel and about his rush team. So hopefully you'll find all this stuff useful and entertaining. So without further ado, <laughs> All right, welcome back to Rollin' Thunder, and today we have with us some very esteemed guests. We've just finished a really fun tournament here in the Fullerton area, and returning to the Southland, to his home stomping ground. Mr. St. Louis himself, Craig Hubner. I'm looking at you over there, my man. Welcome home. Thank you very much.
2: It is wonderful to be here. I do mean this wholeheartedly. It's a little piece of paradise, so that I'm so glad to be back.
0: Well, welcome, welcome. When you emailed a couple weeks back and asked if we were playing, it was a great excitement to to help get his tournament set up. And and the person who did that was here on our left, Robert Kamilowicz, aka the Archivist. Robert, Good welcome evening, again. <laughs>
3: Thank you, thank you, thank you. How's everyone tonight, and how's everyone out there in
0: uh, Rolling Thunderland? <laughs> well, we're we're still rolling. The thunder's a little quieter than it's usually been, but uh, you know it's all good. So tonight, so, I, so we're
3: social distance for everyone on on listening to it. Yes, like we're literally
0: you know in different corners of the room here. We've been playing and socially distancing and masking. Now, probably, I'd say, 12 feet apart, Robert's hidden behind a Street Fighter 2, and Craig is behind Marvel vs. Capcom. 2. Marvel vs. Capcom 2. But we're, Just we're it's
1: not a Roman numeral doesn't mean it doesn't count. Yes, <laughs>
0: but we're here to talk a little Dice Masters. I couldn't pass up the opportunity when I had two of the all-time veterans of veterans. When you talk about veterans here, we're talking capital V here. These guys have been Thank playing goodness. since the very get-go. We're old. And, and well, we're, we're all old here with, with the exception <laughs> of Luke in here. <laughs> but I wanted to talk a little bit, you know, right now, thank God there has been an online scene given the situation with the pandemic and, and everything else. And it's allowed people to keep playing. But at the same time, I'm hearing a lot of folks start talking about like, hey, maybe this just should all move to online altogether. And that kind of made my heart flutter a little bit because I think as much as the online scene has been great. The local scenes have really, for me, have been the lifeblood and really where the most of the fun happens, and I wanted to talk to these two guys about not only that thought, but how to go about setting up a local scene or how that might happen again. We kind of have to reimagine it as we come out of this thing, but... You know, we've been playing a lot of drafts recently. We've been able, because we're in Southern California, we've been able to play outside of the store with social distancing and masks, and we've been able to have our local scene continue and go on. But a lot of places aren't. A lot of places kind of had to regrow anyway. So I I thought maybe we could get our kind of hive minds together and and talk about where you guys might see local play happening. Because for me, that still is the lifeblood of the
2: community. Craig, why don't we start with you? What are what, what, your thoughts? Yeah, well, you know what? I would really start with in trying to track with what you were saying, Arj, is that maybe I'm naive, but I feel that it truly was the Dice Masters product itself that really did start the scenes that I was able to be part of in St. Louis. I, I think that the the game itself offered just that perfect balance where there were some wonderfully great players with us in St. Louis that really enjoyed the true strategy of the game, the absolute tactics of being able to adjust to play while the game state was ever evolving. And they could really manipulate things to the most advantageous results that they could get. And I think that that uniqueness that was in the game built those opportunities to have the community. And then once people were really comfortable playing with each other in the groups that were really built, I know I saw the evolution of those groups not be just about Dice Masters, but about music about miniature painting, about other board games, and about the the friendships that grow out of that and the other experiences that people could have together. Yep. And I just am a little sad, honestly, that in the St. Louis area, just with the way things evolved overall, the, the entire experience before COVID even hit, the game really did die out. As it transitioned into the campaign boxes and the new models of...
0: Yeah, it seems like the LCG situation there hurt your community and a lot of communities, at least across the U.S., because I think people really like to draft and they like to build their collection through draft. And It was
1: also a really fun way to kickstart a set, right? So you'd you'd show up on the first day and you'd, you'd just get to learn what the cards did. It also is a lot more fun when you would first open the set because... Online, you can't really draft. Some people say that well, you, you can't. Can, you can technically speaking, but it's really not the same. And when you draft, every card has a secondary value now, right? So when you hear people talking about this card's good, this card's bad, they're usually just talking about it from a constructed perspective, and they don't consider the value of a card in draft in terms of its overall merit. So they say this card is a coaster, but in draft it's not. These sets are also built for draft. Unfortunately, you know, with coronavirus. Draft wouldn't be happening right now anyways, but I think it's that's another reason why the local scene is so important. Drafts get people coming back, and people say like, well, it's impossible because all the people dropped out. Our local scene has, here in Southern California, has fluctuated in size over the years. But we have people coming back who dropped out years ago, coming back now with Infinity Gauntlet, some new players, some old players who haven't come back. But it's not impossible to start new scenes. It's not impossible to regenerate old scenes. And I think draft is a great way to facilitate that because there's no time like now to get people coming back. Unfortunately, coronavirus sucks. But, well, you know, here's
0: the thing is like, you know, we got that perfect storm of the LCG situation and then Corona on top of it. But I'm trying to think that I'm wondering if to take a look at it for the long term here. Like and we know that this isn't going to last forever, but it may be, if we start putting in germinating the soil now, a new scene may spring up. I know there's a scene in Pasadena that's recently just sprung up. This draft set is great. I mean, if you haven't had a chance to draft this one, it's a great, great draft. It's one of the better ones that's out there. And I I, I'm, I tip my hat to Europe. I, I'm looking forward for you guys to play this. Robert, what's your thought on on, on all of this?
3: Well, we kind of cover a lot of, lot of uh, questions here, but I've been fortunate, like Craig just said, I played with the St. Louis group when they were still active. And what was nice when I was traveling a lot for work, it was nice to travel to a city that I knew there was a group there. And I'd email and say, hey, what time? And Craig would, hey, come on over at six, seven, whatever time you all started. I can't remember. And I'd be there. And we did a Deadpool draft it was the first event I did in St. Louis. But it was so nice to just traveled to a city and you knew that there was a group there that you can play. So to go to the part of the question about a scene, we have been an active group since 2014. That's how long we've been active. When AVX came out, the starter sets and the the gravity fee for that, our biggest question there was trying to get the dice because it was just so hard to get those sets early on because it just didn't print enough. WizKids didn't anticipate the great demand there was going to be with AVX. So we were hustling around to get the dice, even to find Sidekick dice. Now I have three big containers of Sidekick dice at home, you know. but back in the day you couldn't even find them. But we also had a store, which we're sitting in right now, that supported the game. And I think that's a big key to a scene. Because I read online and I hear what people are saying on Discord or read what people are saying on Discord. It's like my store won't buy the product. And it's unfortunate, and I understand the realtor side, they don't want to invest, especially in these times where sales are really tight, revenue's tight. They don't want to invest a lot of money in Dice Masters. But we've been very fortunate to have a store that totally supported the game. With the exception of COVID, we've had a continuous Thursday night Dice Masters for six years. So, And it's been an influx of players. I would say we now have a core group of about 10 people, but at some times it was up to close to 20. I know the St. Louis crowd was a good dozen-plus. Craig, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a lot of players that were there too, and it was just like bowling once a week, right? You, you went out and you did it. So, But that's the first thing to start. Next, you have to have a tournament organizer, a TO, that has the passion for the game and goes that extra mile to just keep everything organized. And it's not just showing up at the time at the place. I mean, we have an email group that gets notices of what we're playing, Many times I've got, I'm the TO here, so I'll speak for this perspective. Many times I've got to think up different things other than just constructed or draft. You know, think of new things. You come up with ideas. We play different types of sets. I read online. Another group has done this type of format. And so you just got to keep it mixed up and everything. I really like, and I echo your response with the draft. The, the draft packs have given a shot in the arm, if you will, for part of the game that was missing for a while. Under the living card game concept, so I'm g- glad it's back. I'm glad that the next few sets are going to be, you know, we're we're, we're seeing that are going to be draft packs too. So and a lot of new players are coming back, and older players are coming, like Lucan said. Yeah. So, but you have to have something to come back to, right?
0: Right. Yeah, I hear you about you know having a good match as a partner with a store. And that being sort of the bottleneck in this discussion, I know a lot of places there's people like Michael Engledew is having problems finding a place in Columbus of all places to help support the scene. I know I think you've had some issues, Craig, in St. Louis recently, but maybe we, you can talk about that in a minute. But I'm wondering if either of you guys think that, you know, the situation with COVID might change the landscape a little bit, given that I'm 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 betting a lot of comic shops and a lot of game stores out there might be eager to have a continuous group of people who would want to come back and spend some money. So, thoughts on that? Now, how? What? What do you guys think, Craig? What? Do, what do you think about?
2: Well, and that's where I hope that I won't be falsely labeling St. Louis with some kind of misperception about a unique situation. And and I truly don't mean to be promotional here at all. But there's just an honest name in the gaming industry called Miniature Market. Mm -hmm. It's a major player in St. Louis. They're right there in the center of the metro St. Louis area for people to get product below manufacturer suggested retail price. Right. So the regular shops, the regular, the other local game stores in the area Mm -hmm. have that direct competition where people can get the product at a different price point. Right. So that interesting. It, yeah. So that it, it makes our situation unique just for that metro area.
0: Well it sounds like it'd be really hard to maybe set up a game store. Have you th- thought about yeah. comic shops? Like for well, example, we, here we're with Enrique's, a lot of the people buy their comics here. So yeah. like that's really the main draw for you know we come in we buy our comics here and we play our games and we buy the games here but really he's making our his bread and butter for the most part i would say more he makes some on dice masters but he makes a lot on comics too so we support him in other ways so m- maybe a comic shop might be another opportunity there at least it wouldn't be a direct competition with miniature market i don't oh, know oh yeah
2: yeah and i'm i'm so sorry i feel like i'm not letting robert speak because of what they you guys the great situation you have here but it it really is a decent balance for local game shops in that I am going to overly assume that 99% of them in St. Louis are comics and game stores together. Uh And so there really are those comic shops that everybody goes to. They, they, they really have their favorites, but it really was just one independent owner that the group that Robert came and played with us at, was supporting us where he doesn't even have a brick and mortar store anymore right now. Right. He really just deals with Blue Diamond or Diamond to get his product and that in itself offers him challenges let alone to try and really support people's interests and the way that they want to be able to meet the games. So we were at a local brewery, you know, <laughs> on weeknights to be able to play yeah, with yeah, yeah. his assistance. And so with them going out of their way like that, it's it's wonderful and it's so appreciated. But I, I don't know how long that's sustainable before well, it. Well,
1: I mean, the, the thing is, right, a lot of people in the Dice Masters community, and understandably, right, want to be as, as, as cost efficient with their collections and their collecting as possible, which makes sense, right? But at the same time, if you want a local scene not only are you going to have to support the game by putting in money to draft, to buy boxes and sets and partake in the collector aspect of the game, but it's also about supporting the store, right? You can't expect the store to do you any favors if you're not being a consistent customer in in return. It's not impossible to start a scene back up. Think about when back when you were in 2014, how did you start a scene if you had one? Well, you just spoke to your friends. I mean, I don't mean to make anyone depressed out there if you don't have any, but (laughs) if you do have friends, even one try to get them involved. Maybe they have friends. It's a totally possible thing to do. And before you know it, there are people on Dice Masters Unlimited or on Discord who are hearing about this thing for the first time. And they're saying there's finally a scene again in wherever, whatever state or country, depending if you're not in America.
0: Well, you solved a problem. You found a store that was willing to set you up on Win, And even though they didn't have the physical space to play, you found another place to play. It takes a little bit of creative problem solving in some of these ways yeah. to get it up and running. Robert, what, what, what's your thought well, on all I, that?
3: I, I think first we've got to be real careful not to generalize here a little bit, but it's going to be dependent upon the store. From a retailer standpoint, if they are a gaming store, their margins are going to be tight to begin with. We're very fortunate here in that it's, it's kind of a hybrid. It's a comic book store, but it also sells games too and other things. So since the scene we have here, we're able to get discounts on product because we're loyal customers, if you will. So the store is not making as much in the margin with regards from retail to manufactured suggested retail price from wholesale. So because there's other sources of revenue that are helping that. Not every store has that advantage. So to say, well, gee, my store isn't giving me a discount, so I'm not going to support them. Well, they can't probably afford to give you a discount. So you had to kind of look at it that way. We're blessed it first of all in Southern California with weather pretty much most of the year. It's very temperate. Well now it's very hot. But for the most part, we don't have like if you're back east or even in the Midwest, like St. Louis, you know, there there's actual seasons and weather and can't be outside playing dice masters. Here we don't necessarily have that problem most of the year. And that's the same thing that a lot of restaurants are going through right now. It's can't put a lot of people in a small space anymore because of social distancing don't have you and a lot of game especially comic book type stores and smaller game stores don't have the space to put two or three or four tables up so and they don't have any space outside to do that where we number one we have a big store here but also to give everyone idea we have an amc theater that straddles this store on you know there's two multiplex and right now the theaters are closed down so we pretty much have almost a whole mall space if you will to, to set up outside and put tables up and everything. Now that's going to change when the theater opens, but we have other places we can put tables and what have you, but we can do things outside. A lot of places can't do that probably all year round, nor do they have a space inside to do it. So those are all factors that you have to look at. And I again, I wouldn't be discouraged if you really want to start a scene again, having a store that can at least help you with a product pipeline is, is key and then there's places to like, like in Craig's the situation in St. Louis, we didn't play in a game store. We played in a brewery, right. which had its own advantages just before, <laughs> not just Dice <laughs> Match. You know, round three or four got pretty sporty. But, uh, but you just got to go out and find you could be like clubhouses at, at an apartment or a condo complex. You they right. really have like a, a clubhouse, if you will, that people can have events at. I mean, churches, for example, if they have, they usually have a room or something. I mean, there's a lot of things you can just look at and try to do. Community centers are mm-hmm. another good example. But but when we get by COVID, that'll help resolve a lot of issues. But right now, you got to be a little more creative.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the things we've done in Los Angeles because we're in lockdown in the store up there, you know, it's way too small to have anybody right. in there. So. But Brett has been very cool about saying, hey, you buy product from us, I'll enter you into win, and then we just take the product and we go down to El Segundo Park and we play outside. Which is a blast. And it's fantastic. It's just awesome. It reminds me a lot of what you were talking about being in the pub, Craig. So even if you were, and that kind of, I think that kind of setup might work well for people who are, say, living in the country somewhere and they're really a long way, they're a you know, two-hour drive from the nearest store. but." They may be able to set something up with that store and get in the system through them and have kind of off-site events in in tangent. It takes some work, it takes some creativity. But I'm just trying to until it's winter time. Until it's wintertime. Well <laughs> even in then, some places of the country. Yeah, even then though, you could still be doing it in the churchyard and exactly. through the store and you know being setting So it takes some kind of jockeying for sure. And you do have to find a willing partner. But it's possible. And I'm trying to set it up now because we we are It's going to take about six months, probably, maybe. I'm figuring six, seven months before we kind of come out from under all this. Maybe. Who knows? But during that period of time, I'm thinking maybe people can start setting up a new scene or rebuilding an old scene because we've got some awesome product coming. Uh, any other thoughts about when and, and how other people might go and set up well, their own scene?
1: Really quickly, I just want to add, for people who are thinking like online is the greatest, like we finally arrived, you're just deluding yourself. You only think <laughs> that because you've Luke forgotten ends. the Come joy on. of in-person Dice Masters. Give it a try. You'll never go back. I, I
0: think this is just somebody who's had one too many Zoom meetings. I mean, online so, uh, is fantastic, oh, but it's, it's, great it's great a facsimile, right? It's like, 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 reasons, well, but, like, like Luke and I discussed
3: earlier, I, I don't think it's an either-or situation. Yeah. Again, depending upon your situation, if you live in the middle somewhere, and the, the next Dice Master player is 250 miles away, that's problematic, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so online is probably the only way they can reach out, and that's fine. So it depends on the situation, but to me, it's not either or. You know, yeah. some people really like online play. I personally don't like online play, but I have nothing against online play. It's just I've been playing face to face for years, and I'm very comfortable with that. But I also have a situation where it's pretty ideal. Yeah. Okay, so that that's just. Yeah, what well, I have.
1: Look, I, I have nothing against online myself. Yeah, you I do. Enjoy, you know, do. I, <laughs> I enjoy being able to play with Europeans, right? At the UK Games Expo just this past week, we got to do that, and that's something that I would have never gotten to do beforehand, right? We get to play with people from the other side of the world. And I'm grateful for that experience. But at the same time, I don't want online to replace. Akers, yeah, I think it takes right? both. I think it to have both. a fully
0: healthy community you, and a healthy game, both. you need both. And right now, because of the LCG situation, and then on top of it, COVID, I'm a little bit concerned about just the local scene situation. And that's why I'm kind of, I guess, I'm having this concern underneath it all because I'm I, I'm hearing that a lot of the local scenes aren't happening or they're kind of down or you know, and and I think they can all come back. But I think it's going to take being conscious of what it's going to take to do it. And so that's just really what I wanted to talk to you guys about. I mean, any thoughts from you, Craig, about like how to restart something and and the importance of WIN and stuff like that?
2: If we're allowed to use this as a little bit of a wish, you know, passing on to kids, the WIN system, I think, could be more vital than it has been in that my experience with WIN was that I have a personal situation that I know is unique for people, but I was regularly checking when with the 200 mile radius put on from my zip code to say what are games scheduled out there in 200 miles. Right. And so there were several months of time when the game really was being explored a lot more through the middle of the gravity feeds, you know, the the product was out there available. Where I was traveling, you know, 110 miles each way to go play in the middle of, you know, Mm -hmm. Illinois, to go play down in Tennessee, to go play in Kentucky when I could. Awesome. Because they had games available. And I had a personal situation where... I could get in my car and drive over there. And they had it in wind, so you and could see it. And they had it in wind, so I could see it. Right. And it, it might
1: take, you know, however long to drive over there. That's that's part of the cost of the joy of playing in person. It might but take some
3: but, time but, to but also, too, I, so you all remember back in the day when we had Rainbow Draft Weekends, which was officially sanctioned events by WizKids with OP packs and all that. I remember a time where... There was a group of us. We would start in on one side of the metropolitan area here mm-hmm. in Southern California and make our way across and be playing in four or five different stores Yep. because there were four or five different stores that had Dice Masters. Those four or five stores are gone today entirely, not just because of Dice Masters, but because of the, the economic environment. Right. So that's another thing, too, Is is a lot of these places that you would normally gravitate to, game stores, comic stores are out of business. Yeah. And I remember the day, like I said, you can just play two or three different places. Mm -hmm. That was great. And you had a very vibrant community, but if you don't have that store base, and that's why I said, that's probably the major foundation right now. So you don't have that. It's a very difficult, not impossible, but I think it's very difficult to create a scene. And let's go to the draft packs for a moment. Sure. That format encourages a community. Because that's what it's designed to do. Get people, you know, you crack open a pack and you pass the cards and that's wonderful. So there was that time, and I know a lot of players got out of the game because of the, the format model it was went to. There's no more draft packs. There was none of the booster packs that I can crack open, not that stuff. So WizKids experimented with a different format, which I really didn't have a problem with. But again, we had a scene that adapted to it because we were able to create events that you could, quote, draft the campaign box and team packs, you know, you, just a little work. And that's why it says, a TO, you got to do a little work if you want to keep a yeah. scene. But we got by it, but I really enjoy the draft packs. I said, so this is one of my top two or three sets yeah. that have come out.
0: I w- wouldn't you say that the our local scene since IG has dropped here has really kind of come back to life in a new way? Just a lot of people are turning up. Uh, the events have been full. People have been enthusiastic, and it's breathed a lot of new life into our scene. Not that our scene wasn't doing well beforehand, but it just sort of—I I just have felt, felt like kind of a little bit of a rebirth. And I'm part of that's part of maybe part of the reason why I want to talk to you guys right now because I think I kind of want to share that with the rest of the world. Well, I, like, I think, I hey, think this is stimulated, possible.
3: It stimulated a couple of things. One, there was actually an actual design draft pack that helped. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that format was facilitated. But the other thing too is. With a, a group of players, now you can get back into the trading the cards. Yeah. Okay. What did you get? Did you get this super rare? Did you get the you know the full art basic and you know, all that stuff? And and you had a lot of trading going on, as opposed to you buy the campaign box and T packs. You had everything. There was no real trading that you needed to do. Other than I needed some more copies of some dice. Right. Know, really. But here the the trading piece of it really spurred the collectors part. And that also brought people back in and I think brought more interaction because people were looking to fill their collections. So for those people that only invested in maybe one display or just a couple of draft packs, they had a lot of ground to, to fill in a collection. Yep. So naturally you're going to have those people show up to get the draft pack and fill in those holes.
0: It's the most fun way to fill in your collection. Honestly, it's really a blast to play that way. And then you have to play with cards that you might not otherwise play with. And you discover things like, wow, this works like this. I hadn't thought of that, you know? So what do you guys think about if you were somebody in say, I recently saw somebody in Chicago looking for like, is there a scene? What would you recommend if somebody wanted to start a scene? What What do you guys think? What would you do in terms of yeah. just... Yeah, well, from and, ground, and, from and
2: r- with you asking that question, Orange, mm-hmm. I'm one of those people that directly has that challenge and that opportunity that I am going to work on as the situation with our society starts playing out. Right. Because it is about getting a true commitment to people, even though the word of mouth from me personally may not be that widespread because I'm not really active in different social medias and different things as, as other people are, but I've really got to reach out to get those connections that we just talked about where I've got to really have an understanding with a shop or a venue that people can come to and I have to get the word out that people can be there and then really, honestly, even if there's the frustration of I'm there by myself a couple times, right? I have to be committed to that right? and, and really do it. And it's, it's not to torture myself or to torture other people. It's just to be honest with the opportunity that could develop for people and to listen when there is the, the feedback about, well, shoot, you're planning it for Tuesday night was what we traditionally were doing a lot of activity in in St. Louis. Okay, but now for people that would be interested, maybe the weekend, you know, you have to just be listening to the the feedback you're going to get.
0: Right.
1: The other thing for people who are looking to start a scene is don't, don't sell the game itself short. The game will pull a lot of weight, right? You'd be surprised if you just talk to your friends, people who you'd be the last people you'd expect to be interested in Dice Masters. The game pulls its weight really well. What The Mississippi crew, one of them figured out about the game, they showed it to all their friends, it was very contagious, they all play now. They don't even have a venue within like really in their entire half of the state is what they said, right? They have to drive to the next state over, which is Tennessee, in order to get the product. But the game will pull its weight. If you can get the community started... That's going to make getting a store a lot easier. What do you guys right? think
0: about demo days and things like that? What, what, what do you guys think about demo well, days? Well, uh, so there's a couple
3: of different targets here. I, I, let's distinguish this. First of all, this is a game like many other games. So you're going to be competing in that marketplace for And I'm talking about new players that never played Dice Masters before. So there's many pros and cons to that. Some people are very turned off by collectible card games. I don't want to be collecting stuff. And they just don't want to enter into that. And that was kind of the purpose of WizKids kind of going into the campaign box mode was you don't have to worry about that aspect. And can we bring players? Some players are very excited about collecting. And then it comes now to the game mechanics, like you said, Luke, and it sells itself. I mean, it does to me. But then you have the target of the, I'll call them the veteran players or players that have just drifted out of the game for whatever reason and now to come back. So you have to approach both of those targets a little differently. Trying to start a scene with brand new players, then it's going to be demos, it's going to be explaining. But also, one of the worries that I've heard from brand new players is there's a lot of stuff that's out of print. Well, can I go buy that set? now? Can I get a War Light set? Unless you go on eBay or whatever and spend probably more money than you need to for some of these products, it's a lot harder. But the Dice Masters community is pretty broad and... Someone that puts up, and I've always seen these on Facebook or Discord, hey, I'm looking for, fill in the blank, there's a lot of people out there that have thousands of cards and dice of extra stuff, and a lot of them are willing just to send you stuff you know, yep. for nothing. So I'll lean on that community, all right, if you're trying to start a scene. If you got new players that like some of the, I want the old DC or Marvel, whatever their proclivity is. For the veteran players, I think the draft pack format is bringing a lot of those people back into the fold because that was a fun format and we've already talked about the, the things that were fun about it but the set itself is very balanced for draft play it sure is so you you sit down if you haven't if you're listening you haven't sat down yet and played this set it's wonderful in that it's not just one or two things that are stand out and if you get those cards you pretty much can win There are several ways to win, Mm -hmm. and the sets constructed in that in that regard. So now you got players coming back saying, "I don't have to worry about. Gee, I'm missing that super rare, or I'm missing this card, so I don't have a good team." No, no, no. Pretty much, very few times, and we've drafted. I don't know, Arch, how many times have we drafted? We're we're at least over twenty times.
0: Yeah, probably. It feels like it. I mean, (laughs) it's been great, and I've used a different win condition every single time. so, So, and
1: it's it's also the sort of thing where like you don't have to like even when you're just sucking it up and going oh and three <laughs> yeah. you're still having a blast because the mechanics of the set are that good
0: oh and right? there's also things like hey maybe you got that super rare that you were looking for and maybe it didn't work on the day but you know it helped fill the hole in the collection so you still feel like you won you know this is and,
3: and you don't need a super rare not all the wind conditions are super rares or rares right
0: oh for sure so
3: it's like i said it's very balanced so that's now and i think that word of mouth is getting out there the problem is the product has sold very well so it's hard to get product now, unless you're getting from a secondary market, and there there's always going to be that. Right. That's the proof in the pudding to me.
0: It's like this is a successful product. So, guys, what would you what do you think if you were one of these new guys and you were going to a store? What would you say to the store to try to convince them? Like, say you had two or three other players who you knew you were going to play with you. What's 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 the pitch that you make to the store to try to get them? You're probably going to have to go to more than one. I'm assuming, right? Well, the the, the pitch you have to make to the
3: store. Sorry for the background. Noise, guys. <laughs> we, have, we have a video tournament going. The, the pitch you got to make for the store is you have to make it a business pitch. You can't just go on to your emotions. Oh, this is a great game because guess what? They've heard that probably about every game out there. And they've probably set up a lot of tournaments or scenes and maybe one or no people show up. So right. from their perspective, they've been burnt probably several times. So they're not into the this is a wonderful emotional. yo, it's great. So you have to look at it from a business sense. So as an organizer, you're going to have to have some people lined up. Say, look, I have me and three or four other people. We are willing to pre-order or we're, we're willing. We're going to buy that product from you if you order it. And that's what the store needs. They need that. I have a revenue coming in, but that's how I would approach it. Craig,
2: Uh, your thoughts on that? Well, no, I was just going to ask Robert, do you think somebody that really conveys to the store, like we really just want to play space. We really just want to be able to coordinate meeting people here and then having that sort of organically grow into something more could be an effective way to start that sure. business pitch? Or, or do you think there really just does need to be something in it first?
3: Well, again, you'll have to I definitely want to establish a relationship with the store. Yeah. Um, but you also have to keep in mind, too, you may be competing against other established like Magic the Gathering. You're going to probably be competing against those things. And guess what? Most stores mm-hmm. live on Magic the Gathering. So if you say, yeah, we want to do this, uh, but we need two or three tables, they're not going to take away tables from their Friday night Magic events, okay? because that's bringing in money. But again, you just have to kind of get a feel for the store. What are they amenable to? Also, yeah, doing demos at a store or saying, look, we just want to play space. But many stores don't have that space to, to provide to you, too. I mean, I, I've i been, you know, you have two the St. Louis stores. Some of them only had maybe one little three-by-five card table that you can put mm-hmm. in there, you know, have a couple people, right? Yes. And that three-by-five card table may be wanted by someone else who wants to play a board game or something. But but it's all just communication and getting
0: established a relationship. Yeah, I so. know there was, you know, the group out in of Cucamonga who got set up recently, they had an interesting story. And I, I'm, I think I've told it online, but I'll tell it one more time here. It's basically, the store, they found a store who was willing to host them. The store didn't want to make a commitment to buying product and stuff, at least in the beginning. So what the players did is they bought their own feeds online, brought them in, and then everybody paid five bucks for table space. So the store got a little something. They didn't have to make a commitment to buy the product, but the product was bought somewhere else. The players came in and played it. And then guess what? The store owner started watching the game, fell in love with the game. And then started buying the product, right? So it's like sometimes you got to do the soft sell to, and then let the yep. product do its work. And, and that—that's just an example of one way that that can work. Sometimes you—you you just have to be a little creative with this. Sometimes, so I
1: Fortunately, think. the store ended up going like under eventually. But that saying that kind of undermines <laughs> the point of the story. It's
0: a very beautiful and heartwarming
1: story, and you can make it happen for you too. So
4: <laughs> anyway, yeah. but
1: uh, guy, you
3: just put a negative. <laughs> okay you're salty tonight. we can edit it out you need a no, but, but that that's a good point in that here again you have to have a dedicated to and also the person's taking a risk they're buying that product and are they going to get their money back right again it's all relative but you got to try i think that's the point mm-hmm. it's not just going to fall in your lap right
0: yeah and if you can find a couple people who are really wanting to play you can probably start building a scene any other thoughts? Have I forgotten anything? Well,
2: that- well no, I was just wondering, honestly, with the, the things that we've referenced before about online play being a balance element, mm-hmm. have you guys heard of anything really branching out of online play yet in or in any way into in-person play? Because I, I just honestly haven't myself, but I again, I'm naive about online play. W- well also.
0: here when in the southern california when the lockdown when we all went into lockdown yeah. we were able to go online and we just had our local group play online so again it was you know a lifesaver at that point in time and and I'm really thankful it was out there now again it is sort of a zoom experience it's but not But you
3: were dedicated to do that I was that-
0: dedicated to do it but again, it was better than nothing and a lot better than nothing. I I mean, I I like online play. I I don't like it as much as I like playing in person. You know, there is that kind of distance feeling to it. Like you just, you're not, you you know what it is, is the whole Zoom experience. It's a little bit of a facsimile. It's a great game and you still get that experience, but I'm hoping that some people maybe, you know, get a taste of playing Dice Masters and then they're interested in it and then they go use that to go and, I mean that was one of the ideas with one big weekend to do try to get the local scenes and then feed into online and then hopefully maybe that can spread out and feed back into starting a local scene. That's hopefully that's where it should work in theory, right? Yeah, but, yeah, but I, would,
3: I would say to go to online play if I was a brand new player didn't know anything about Dice Masters, it's a little harder to break in just from an online perspective because you obviously you had to go out and buy the product initially to say okay I just bought this set. Now, how do I play it? Oh, there's a lot of places online. Okay, then I can go there. But you have had to have bought the product first, as opposed to, I walk into a store to get my Spider-Man comic book, and I see a couple people over there playing Dice Masters at a table. Oh, that looks pretty neat, pretty colorful. What's this? And now I'm introduced to the game that way, because the tactile, I'm seeing it, I can touch it, what have you. Right. From a new player perspective, from online to coming back into the game, I think it's harder to come
0: in as a new player just from an online perspective. I agree. I want to make a couple of practical things here. So in terms of just trying to help people out there, if you are interested in setting up a scene somewhere, please send us an email. You can reach us through the contact us at the RollandThunder.xyz site. I'm going to start making a list and I'm going to just try to, you know, if you're in Chicago, I'm going to try to put you together with some people who I know used to play in Chicago. Maybe you can set something up. You know, if you're a store out there and you're listening to this and you think, Hey, I'd like to have a scene. I'd like to have some group of players who want to come in and spend some money at my store. Send us. We'll put it, put your name on the list and maybe we can start a list going and try to generate some heat as we come into this next phase. You know, Craig, I'd be interested in if we could vicariously check in on you and see how things are going in St. Louis and maybe help you. You
2: know, set up shop somewhere there, too. Uh, You know, anything? Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. And the real problem that you and Lucan will have for the rest of your life is because I've met you at so many events, <laughs> you guys are stuck with me forever. I'm going to essentially haunt you, you know, for the rest of your lives. That's really all that's happening here. If anybody
1: wants to get connected with other people in their area, or if they're not on the map as a Dice Master player, but they listen to the podcast and tune in, you're welcome to send either of us an email at arch at rollandthunder.xyz or lucan at rollandthunder.xyz and we'll get you connected with other people in your area and put you on that document that he's talking about. We haven't received an email since that last email <laughs> that Jocelyn sent out of pity for no, never receiving emails. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you went
3: from salty, now you're
1: whining. <laughs> you know what? Everything is negative in comparison to, to, to you, Robert. <laughs> the paradigm of human expression. <laughs> but... Oh,
0: But also, I want to mention that there is, on the Dice Coalition, there is, uh, I think in community underneath there, there is a list of stores. Now, I don't think it's been updated in a while, so it might not be accurate, but it's a place to start at any rate. And again, get in touch with us and we'll try to, maybe we can work with the folks there too and just trying to all put our heads together and and muscle forward. Yeah, so I'm in Dice Coalition here, so definitely
3: you, you get into one spot, the people that are connected, they'll get connected, so... But I would also say, too, and we can help you with getting into Win because that's another thing that a lot of people overlook. Like Craig just said, I looked on Win over 250-mile radius, and if your store's not there, then no one's going to know you're out there. So that's probably the prime spot, at least for this game, to at least have your location noted.
0: Yeah, and also it, it lets whiz Kids know that you're playing the game. That's what
3: they used to look at when they sent out who's going to be part of WKO events.
0: Right. And when they decide to print more material and more games and all that kind of stuff. So getting in the win is really critical, I think, and helpful for the community as a whole. So all of this stuff, I think if we can all get on board and start rowing, it'll be good for the game and just good for the community. And again, like Craig was saying, and like Robert was saying, you know, some of my best friends were made right here playing Dice Masters that I wouldn't have known them otherwise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so... It's so much richer than just the game. And the game is incredibly rich in and of itself, but the community and the opportunity to get together weekly or biweekly or monthly even is, is, is just invaluable. So thank you guys for, for being here. Yeah, I remember when Lucan was just this high. <laughs>
3: yeah. He was just a little kid playing Dice Masters. <laughs> Look, he's, he's, he's getting red. His face is turning red. no that
1: is true no like when i first went to national now he's an
3: elite player hello
1: everybody (laughs) wow i can't believe i'm meeting you Truby. this is such an honor
3: (laughs) (laughs) but that's just how that how you grow you know just being in the gaming group and seeing you know it's not just lucan but other young players that just see him grow up you know, from being, you know, young teenagers to now almost into their 20s. By so. the way,
1: Truby, it's still an honor every time I meet you. It's still an honor. <laughs> Truby's <laughs> don't awesome. Don't get the wrong idea.
0: <laughs> All right, guys. So is there any, Did I forget anything else that no. uh, that we should? Uh, oh, thank you for setting this up, Mark. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I really appreciate you. And uh, Craig, well, you know, safe journeys home, man.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. But I do want to take a half a second if you don't want to edit this out. Because the three of you were so gracious to do the EarthX online tournament. Because that was my one and only online play experience. And, and I've been vocal about my opinions of the overall experience. But the part that I wish I would have been accentuating was what a great job you guys did really running that tournament. That thing was so smooth and was so nice to be able to just connect instantly to everything that went on that it, it seemed like the perfect tournament. But oh, I you. think it thank was you. because the three of you guys. I, I don't. I don't think I had ahead. to
3: go to his room at all for any judging decisions. So
2: <laughs> <good>. Yeah. <laughs> thank you
0: very very much. Yeah. You know, like I said, I think online is, is is here, and thank God it is here. Given you know the state of the world right now, now I just want to you know start. Pivoting. It's the fall. I want to start not just pivoting, but let's plant the yeah. seeds let's, so let's that when together. the spring happens, we together. have some places to grow and get together and play this game. You know? Yeah. Amen. Well, I have the great pleasure of welcoming to the show one of our favorite locals and now a media content creator and Dice Masters in his own right. We meant to have him on the show, boy, with our group chat with Robert and Craig, but the night ran long and we decided to punt down the road and that punt is now being received today via the interwebs. I want to welcome onto the show... You've probably known him as Ronathan PXPX, but Ronathan Hopkins, welcome to the Rolling Thunder, my friend. Thank you. It's a great <laughs> pleasure to be here, Arch. Yeah, we've had the great pleasure of locking horns on oh so many occasions at our local scene. Southern California scene is strong, and you're one of the friendly faces we see regularly. So it's a pleasure to have you on the show and uh, give you a chance to do a little self promotion if possible. I thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Just excited to be here. <laughs> well, First off, on the self-promotion front, tell me about your YouTube channel. I know you've just got kicked off. I believe it's Ronathan Plays and Probes, but am I right in first in that? Because you've got a whole bunch of subsets underneath that, I think. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, it's, it is
4: my my handle, RonathanPXPX, but the official title of the name is like Ronathan Plays and Probes. So I try to go with something with the alliteration that just kind of rolls off. Uh, the tongue. Right, right on. And what, you know, I'm an old man here. So what's
0: PXPX?
4: So growing up, uh, I was into uh, punk rock music. And so one of my favorite bands is called MXPX. And so they had a song called PXPX, which stood for Poking at Ya Punks. So that's kind of always just been my handle ever since uh, high school. And the same thing, too, with like Ronathan, like actually my birth name is actually Ronald. But one of my old wrestling teammates decided like oh, Ron, Ronald's kind of bland or pedestrian. So, hey, let's just get, let's get let's give a rename. So after like rolling off like 40 or 50 different iterations of like Ron, Ronathan just came, was like, oh, let's go with that. And so it's stuck around since like the late 90s.
0: Uh, that's great. A little PXPX on yourself there. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, that makes sense. Thank you for clearing that up. So, tell us about your channel. First off, I'm assuming it's not just Dice Masters Central, but that may be the heart of it. Is that correct to say?
4: Yeah, Dice Masters is the start of the channel. Mm-hmm. And I, at some point, about two years ago, I wanted to start a YouTube channel. It's kind of funny because I work in education and during the summertime, I teach coding. But at a summer camp, I also taught YouTube producing and teaching middle school kids how to like form their own YouTube channel. So, I got this idea two years ago. And, and it was like, oh, let's start with
0: uh, Dice Masters. So looking at your channel, it looks like it's Dice Masters Central, but not entirely dedicated to Dice Masters. Is that fair to say that, that Dice Masters is the heart of it, but that you plan on covering other games as well?
4: Yes, Dice Masters is the heart of it, but I ex- am planning on expanding to other games in the future as well. One of the games that I'm looking to get into is Ash's Rise of the Phoenixborn, in which Team Covenant and Plaid Hat Games launched a rebirth of the game with their own generated content to rebalance the game mm-hmm. as well as cooperative games my wife she does not like playing competitive games so we enjoy playing cooperative games such as pandemic marvel legendary and champions yep. so i want to include some cooperative gameplay in my channel as well and on a personal passion since this is playing and probing games <laughs> Fantasy football is one of the big things that I like to do, so maybe a touch of fantasy football a few months out of the year, and that's about it.
0: Oh, cool. Cool. Well, well, we're talking cooperative games. I've always thought there's got to be a good cooperative variant to Dice Masters. I know that there was a Galactus mode at one point when Vassal was a thing for Dice Masters. I know there was a cooperative mode for Dice Masters and Vassal, but since they received their seasoned assist... Galactus has packed up and you know shipped off to another universe. I think. <laughs> Any thoughts on doing a cooperative version of of Dice Masters, and, and you know, so that you can play it with your wife, so to speak?
4: Uh, yeah, that's actually one of the things that I've just been kind of looked to tweak and balance myself. One of the things that I found interesting was somewhere on the Facebook Dice Masters Discussions or Unlimited group, somebody came up with like a dungeon crawl. Yeah, and I, I really am looking forward to like going into that seeing how it works and seeing how you can adapt that to like maybe a multiplayer cooperative experience for that
0: yeah I saw that too and I thought that was interesting the person's name escapes me at the moment but I will link to that post in the show notes sounds and, great and unfortunately Luke can't join us today so now I have to do the call out here so it's going to be rollandthunder.xyz forward slash 217 for season 2 episode 17 that's the show notes <laughs> All right, well, some of the things here I've noticed in Plays and Probes, you've got Teach the Tech, tournament reviews, unboxings, anything else I'm forgetting in the overall Penelope of Dice Master's coverage?
4: Just my comments and contemplate uh, series.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about each. What What's going on with them?
4: Well, with the uh, Teach the Tech, that came about, again, with the whole alliteration bit, <laughs> uh, with, with, with the Teach the Tech bit. Uh, really came about after the UKGE and it was a little bit of a demand like how did your rush team work and how w- w- was it able to come about which has led to interesting discussions mm-hmm. on the discord community which w- we have a lot of disagreements as far as like how rush would trigger for each in which I'm totally fine with the, with the way that they're saying like it it should be interpreted this way and I think that that's one of the great things about our community is that we can have great discussions about rules and nothing's ever taken personal. Sure. So so that came about with the Teach the Tech. Okay, we'll put a pin on that. We'll
0: talk about that rush in a little bit, but
4: continue on. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Uh, So along with the comments and contemplate, at some point I wanted to do something revolving around the state of gaming. One of the things is, I work in special education and inclusion is very important. Mm-hmm. And so, eventually in the future, I want to figure out a way to touch on inclusion in the gaming world. That's great. And how we can be more inclusive. And so, I figured, okay, well, I need to start by commenting and contemplating like my own stuff first
0: and figuring out where do I go from there in the future. Cool, cool. I like that. And another teacher, I mean, it's incredible the number of teachers in this game. You know, as I've interviewed people, I'm always. Less and less surprised to find out that they're in the teaching community now, different subjects and different specialties, but a lot of teachers in this game, mm-hmm. which I guess we can contemplate later, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Goodies. and then uh, you've got Teach the Tech that came off of the Rush. And we got tournament reviews as well. Is that fair to say?
4: Yes, tournament reviews and tournament previews. So I did a preview for the UKGE, mm-hmm. as well as a way for us to support the Ministry of Dice, as well as other local content creators. One of the things that I put in there is a lot of the times we buy our product from our friendly local game stores, the FLGSs. Yep. And one of my comments in there was just like, hey, we should be supporting content creators that same way, just like that, because you know they're helping bring people to our community." they're helping our community expand as well as just continue our growth and discussions within the community. So that happened with one tournament preview. And then along with what happened at the UKGE, there was the tournament review of that in which I plan on doing preview for this week's upcoming Canadian Nationals, as well as a review of what happened in the Canadian Nationals.
0: Right on. Okay, well, I salute you there. And I can't fail but to mention Patreon, by the way, if you Care to do a little Patreon? You can always find it at RollandThunder.xyz. Uh, so yes, now that I've taken it. a little moment to plug myself, uh, the, the last thing I noticed on your thing was was uh, unboxings as well. Am I missing anything else? And you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh,
4: yeah, I mean the unboxings is just pretty straightforward. Like, hey, we got our product out there. Just people who just enjoy like seeing like, ooh, what 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 does the product come out? Even if it's blind product in which all the product is going to be different, you know, people get excited about like, ooh, what super rares are they going to pull out from? There, especially now with these full art cards, so that came about. Uh, another video that I did was with Pink Frankenstein, where we came up with alternate draft formats. Oh, cool! So that that's another one that we uh, that I recently put on. So in the future, I'm just continuing to look to expand. Like, yeah, we're going to have the comments and contemplate the unboxings, teaching the tech, tournament previews and reviews. But we'll see what future content
0: will hold us. That's great, and I'll have links to all of these things. Again, in the show notes at xyz forward slash 217. But if people want to find your channel without having to visit my show notes, how can they do that, Ron?
4: They can type in Ronathan PXPX in YouTube, and that's
0: the easiest way to find it. Fantastic. Well, let's jump back now because we were talking about the Teach the Tech Rush episode. And let's go over that team because it was an interesting team. It was a team you ran for the UK Games Expo. It seemed to uh, feature the rare Gamora from the Infinity Gauntlet set. It has a lot of other really interesting pieces, but you know, that's that's the piece that I think grabbed most people's attention right away. Can you talk to us about your team a little bit?
4: Yes, I can this team definitely centered around rare Gamora and the whole concept of it was to make sure that that rare Gamora is always in the bag or that at least I have a fair shot at drawing her on each term along with a bunch of bolts. So the whole concept was thin out my bag with sidekicks. I need to ensure that when I use my yawning portal that I'm always purchasing and it's the yawning portal comfortable in that discounts as well as putting it straight in the bag. So this helps set up rush perfectly for each turn, where I can drop a Gamora in the bag, drop as many bolts as possible in the bag, and hopefully churn my entire bag each turn.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Let's take a small moment before we go on to the rest of the team. So that rare Gamora reads rush bolt. So if you pull bolts with her, you're going to initiate her rush sequence. And then, of course, the comfortable in is your character dice are free to field this turn, Until the end of turn, each time you feel the character die, reduce the purchase cost of your dice by one to a minimum of one. Dice you purchase this turn are added to your bag. Which, you know, sometimes in the past that hasn't been a great mechanic because it tends to clog your bag. But with Rush, it opens up those type of abilities like, say, with the Groot Global, for example, which adds things to the bag. That can be very helpful with Rush. Can you... Talk to us a little bit about that while, while we're at that moment in time.
4: Yes. So actually, that was one of the other cards that I was thinking of adding in was the exact Groot, the Groot Global, was to, hey, if I ended up fielding a Gamora and I have a Gamora in use, that would be nice just to put that Guardian right back in the bag or my rear Angela, which grants my dice, infiltrate.
0: Right. And the idea, again, is because with Rush, you want these dice all coming out of the bag at the same time. So actually putting them in the bag rather than in prep is useful for this ability, correct?
4: Exactly, yeah. So this is about bag management. So along with uh, the Becky Lynch Global, if ever I needed to purchase like a Poison Ivy and to make sure that it's not in the bag or if I ended up having possibility of five or six dice, at least I have the option with the Becky Lynch Global to pay that shield and that first die that I purchased can go into the prep area. So that way each turn I have no more than five dice in my bag with a minimum of one Fiskamora
0: and three bolts right awesome and but we should mention that on the day you played Becky Lynch the man because I think you were trying to live up to Andy England's challenge of you know not playing made in Ireland <laughs> but yeah I, but yeah. In, I'm guessing that made in Ireland, would probably be on the strong version of this team. Is that fair to say? Yeah, exactly. When I did the teach the tech video, that was exactly what I put
4: in there. I said, like, hey, I ran Becky Lynch, the man, in the tournament because I wanted to see how basically Rush ran without this, right. without the Becky Lynch because she's so overpowered. <laughs> uh, but if you really want the, the counter to that, yeah, I mean, you're just running Becky Lynch made in Ireland, in which that, that gives you an excellent pivot point.
0: So we are got Gamora.
4: You mentioned Angela, the rare Angela. Can you talk to me a little bit about her? Yeah. So I have the rare Angela in there, and, and and that's one that I really struggle with is do I put the rare Angela in there or do I put the uncommon Angela, which the rare Angela grants all my character dice infiltrate. Yeah. And the uncommon prevents the when fielded. But since I have that Scott Hall global that target super uh, star dice must attack this turn mm-hmm. as a form of removal. It, hey, if you're going to force my character dice to attack, they all have infiltrate, so they can all just attack each turn. And come so. So that was the counterbalance to that.
0: Yeah. And that works really well with your wind condition, your primary wind condition here. Talk to me about Jubilee, Jubilationly. Oh,
4: yeah. So when, ju- when Jubilee attacks, she deals one damage to your opponent. For each other attacking, both character die. So really, I have five Jubilees that holds to purchase three or four Jubilees, get them in the field, along with cycling a yellow lantern ring that turn with Gamora, and that'll allow me to intimidate out as many characters as <laughs> possible when I field that Jubilee. And chances are I'm probably going to pull a Yawning Portal that turn, so that hefty Jubilee cost that will actually allow me to fill the Jubilee for free. And once I have all my bolts, if I just get three Jubilee in the field and I attack, that's six damage just from Jubilee's attacking alone with no other bolt characters.
0: Which works pretty mean with Angela because she's a bolt and then you're going to be able to do that repeatedly turn after turn if you can get them both out there, right?
4: Exactly, and if you have Angela and you have that infiltrate, I mean, they're (laughs) going to be forced to actually block them so that can help thin out their field as well as, you know, if
0: I have one that's going to go through for four that might not be too bad. (laughs) So far, we've looked at Gamora, Rare Gamora, Rare Angela, the Jubilee from X-Men Forever. We've got the Yawning Portal comfortable in. You mentioned the Yellow Lantern Ring, the Weaponer's Ring. That is a super strong card. Talk to me about how that worked on your team.
4: (laughs) That worked great when I had it set up. So one of the things that I was actually worried about was the Thor teams that were out there. So... When my opponent on my turn can use their Collector Global to deal me two damage, mm-hmm. if I can cycle my Yellow Lantern Ring and Intimidate out their Thor, that's something that I was able to actually prevent that two damage from happening. As well as if you're running God Catchers, which God Catchers uh, were the most in that tournament, I believe, yeah. for WinCon. I mean, once you intimidate out a Godcatcher token, it's pretty much done. It's gone. Yeah. yeah, So yeah, so it's gone according to the Fizzle rules, and and along with that, I also had Poison Ivy Red in there. Mm-hmm. So comboing Poison Ivy Red with that Scott Hall Global yeah. that forces them to attack. So if I can force that Godcatcher die to attack each turn, and I have my Poison Ivy out there, which she'll take no damage, and she gets deadly from. A non-villain attacking her. Yep. Those were just two different ways that I was able to remove Godcatcher tokens.
0: On the day, what did you find was more effective, or were you able to use a combination of both? Uh,
4: the most effective thing, uh, realistically, it, it was it was just about bag management okay. because pretty much when they saw my team that I had both Poison Ivy and I had the <laughs> Yellow Lantern ring, yeah. they pretty much pivoted away from their God Catchers. As Shadow Mel was saying, he looked at my team and he said, "Yeah." This is the team that I have to play Thor against. So
0: so he pivoted immediately
4: to Thor and went with his Thor strategy.
0: Well, it's interesting. So you were talking how important bag management was on this team. And we saw Becky. We've got Rush. And then you also have, for basic actions, Walk with Elias was the first one, which is some more bag management. And it's got that Heimdall global of pay a mask and once per turn. On your turn, add two sidekick dice from your use pile to your prep area. And then you had invulnerability with pay a bolt. Target character guy gets plus 1A, and I'm assuming you were using that because you had Tons of bolts to pump your characters when they finally did swing, right? Exactly. All right. Well, so you said it's all about bag management. So walk us through your purchase order and how ideally you would like to this doll go off and fire.
4: Right. So yeah, bag management's the most interesting part because the two games, uh, the two rounds that I lost, rounds four and five against uh, Shadow Mill and Ben Scott was when at one point I looked at my bag and I had eight dice in my bag yeah. and I was screwed because right. my bag management was off. However, though, basically what I wanted to do is turn one, I wanted to purchase either a yawning portal or a yellow lantern ring. Why? Because it's a cheap two-cost bolt, and that way I can get it cycling throughout just to be prepared for later on for my final push. Turn two, that was always the one where I needed to make sure that I needed to prep over a yawning portal as well as walk with Elias, because by the time turn three started, I needed to make sure that I was rolling seven dice. So that way I have the best chance to field two sidekick dice to reduce my purchase cost by two, get a Gamora and as many bolts in the bag by turn three, and then just start firing off my win cons
0: right after that. Got it. It seems to me, like as I'm just kind of looking at your team here, the danger might be in all of this is is not rolling a mask turn two to not get that walk with Elias or potentially whiffing yawning portal or rolling yawning portal but then not rolling a character or a sidekick and, and I saw that come up against shadow meld but against other teams I mean luckily for you I think collector was very popular on the day so you probably could have fielded a sidekick if you were fortunate to roll yawning portal did, did either of those events, did, did was that a problem for you during the day in terms of consistency? Or, or were you able to kind of get through that without too much problem? Yeah, I anticipated
4: p- people bringing the collector as well as people bringing Clayface. I knew that mm-hmm. those are going to be the two highest forms of ramp and bag thing that were going to be out there. So I figured I didn't need to put one of those on my team. The one thing that I was concerned was not having Intellect Devour on my team to spin down one of my sidekicks. That, that was more of the bigger concern was playing without Intellect Devour. But there were a couple of games I know against, I think my game against James maybe, I, I know it was one of the ones that I won that it didn't roll on my turn three like I wanted it to. And so right. at that point it became the pivot as to where, okay, I need to prep over a bolt character die and hopefully get my bag in its correct state within two turns so that way I can just survive and hold on and then push for my final win con four or five turns after that.
0: Right. Yeah, it feels like you don't want to have to buy two yawning portals on this team if you can help it, right?
4: Um that, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I know at some point I do have two yawning portals going in and out, but but it's but it's at separate times. Right. So <laughs> so but but it's all about adjusting like hey, if that yawning portal doesn't roll turn 3, you got that Becky Lynch global and
0: hopefully I can be able to
4: purchase uh, to prep over either an angela or prep over a poison ivy to hold me over for a few turns
0: and it sounds like you were counting on when you were rolling those seven dice that you were going to roll a couple of sidekicks to discount jubilee down to one is that fair to say or
4: exactly to discount jubilee and gamora down to one
0: right right how often were you able to actually pull that off i know for me i would, would not do that when i needed it to <laughs> <laughs>
4: um Pretty much. I think it reflected my record. I think it was three out of five times. It worked exactly that way. So, <laughs> so, 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 so I, th- I think the win, the win record speaks for itself.
0: Right, right. But OK, so but when it fires, you're, you've got it going. You got the seven. They all come out. They do their thing. You load up on Jubilees and kabam, right? How, yeah. When When is that going off? Four, turn five usually? Uh,
4: yeah, it's definitely wanted to finish off by turn five with Becky Lynch. If I had Becky Lynch made in Ireland on there, mm-hmm. then that's definitely when it would, for sure, like that's that's the kill turn is turn five pretty much each time. On this team, considering I didn't have that Becky Lynch, it's going to be about turn five or turn six mm-hmm. if everything goes right just to completely get the win right there.
0: Now that we're here, let's, let's talk Rush because this team, at least the way you originally conceived it, was built on... I would say a literal reading of what the Rush mechanic is written as currently on the uh, Dice Masters keyword page. Let me just read it so that we have it in front of us, so to speak. It says, Rush, if you draw this die during your clear and draw step, draw and roll an extra die for each die of the indicated type drawn during that step. And it seems to me that the way you played this team matched the literal definition of what's written there. It seemed to to fire off per die, according to this. And we usually when they talk die and not character, it's each unique die. The trouble is, is that Stephen from DM Armada, Stephen Cookus, had had a conversation, I believe, behind the scenes with some of the folks at WizKids, and he was given the indication that rush triggers per character, so that once a character starts rushing, it doesn't matter how many dice of that character you draw, that character only triggers one rush sequence. So there seems to be a discrepancy here. Can you talk about a little bit about your experience with you've had some conversations with people am I forgetting and missing anything in this conversation or
4: Uh what was it? James from DM United. He's the one oh, where they had the advance ruling for his dice fight? Mhm. Where he had the advance rolling that Rush would trigger per character. Right. In which in the tournament, this came about during my round three matchup because it hadn't occurred in my round one or round two matchup. And it was against Joe Vega from uh, CR Game Room in which Ryan from there, he came on and he said, no, it wouldn't trigger uh, that way. But then we had from the Ministry of Dice, Chris come on and he said, yes. Rush would trigger exactly per die, not per character.
0: And I can see why there would be some discussion, especially because if you literally read the the keyword, it seems like it would be per die. But you know, Stevens had this conversation, so and you know, I'm I'm, I'm sure he he is reporting it as he heard it. So that that kind of nursed it a little bit. But you're kind of caught in the in in the crossfire, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that that's not a
4: problem. I mean, this is not necessarily. I mean, luckily, like my standing didn't affect like any prizing or anything. I was just right. outside of the top three, right? So, and and there were great players uh, that, that finished ahead of me. So, so I have no qualms about if it would have been ruled that way, like in the match, if Chris would have came in during my match against Joe and said, "No, it doesn't trigger that way." Mm-hmm. I would have been totally fine with that. I think I was already. Planning ahead to accept the nerf ability, but I feel I feel that this team can still fire off as is, with it being just basically a true false statement, like this character has the rush. So this it's still effectively, I think it's still a better version of Swarm because you don't need to have that character necessarily out. And with somebody like Amora, who has two, four attack sides on her level two and level three sides. She can be a pretty hefty hitter uh, when you need her to be.
0: Interesting. Yeah, it definitely limits some of the explosiveness of the keyword for sure. I mean, a lot of it. You're not going to necessarily get your whole bag, but you're going to get some. I'm interested to get other people's thoughts on on the differences between Rush and, and Swarm. I mean... The good news about Swarm is that your bag gets a little less clogged, but the good news with Rush is you know, you can have this explosiveness that might not happen with Swarm if, if your Swarmer gets knocked out of the field, say.
4: Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly why I think I prefer Rush over swarm because everything is contingent upon making sure that that character is not only in the field zone but that that character also has their text right and that character has not been dragged as to where like oh you can no longer purchase extra ones of those and your swarm would not go off
0: yeah that's a good point too so let's talk a little bit about making rush work you've talked a lot about you know how bag management is critical and you mentioned not having more than five dice Reiterate the reasons why for that and any other lessons learned in your training with Rush to this point would be helpful, I guess.
4: So with Rush, I feel you're going to need one of three cards to make sure that you can control your bag. It's either going to be Walk with Elias, Atlas, or it's going to be Villainous Pack. Mm -hmm. So you need to at least be able to remove dice out of your bag so that way you can set up Rush later on or thin out your sidekicks, probably throwing the collectors in, in there as well, too. Honestly, I feel that if you're going to run Rush, Yawning Portal Comfortable in, is the perfect companion right. because of that. Because, hey, dice are going directly into your bag. This can work with big entrance as well, too, uh, because dice do go directly into your bag. So that would be the alternative. Hey, if you can't run Yawning Portal Comfortable in, you can run big entrance. But then that would only discount your dice by one for each turn. I think the reason why I say no more than five dice per bag is because you want to make sure that you're drawing the four dice that you need. So if I have already one sidekick die in my bag, I need to make sure that I purchase two Gamoras and two bolts. So that way I can guarantee that my rush is going to at least trigger once. Yep. So, But if you have no dice in your bag, you can just go ahead and purchase that Gamora and three bolts, and you're just going to guarantee to rush at least three dice from your use pile.
0: It's an interesting way to think about it. You know, you're trying to get all the chaff out, all the sidekicks out, so you can get your rush characters in. So you need to kind of have something that thins your bag, but then something that fills your bag with the characters you want that are going to rush together. You know, it's interesting. It's a little bit different than some of the previous prepping mechanics, because you know, unlike some other mechanisms, like if you Atlas and you Atlas out one of your rush characters, you can be hurting yourself. So you really need to think about what you need to get out of your bag to get the things you want in your bag. So the typical turn to recycle your bag and then prep one might end up hurting you if you end up pulling a rusher, right? Any thoughts on that?
4: Exactly. So this is the one, that's why I felt a uh, walk with Elias was a little bit better mm-hmm. than, than the other ones. I felt that I could use somebody else's Villainous Pack or their Atlas if they have it in case if Rush didn't fire off or I didn't get that Yawning Portal that, that hit that turn that allowed me to put my dice in my bag specifically. Yeah, And Atlas is not even bad because at times when you're trying to start your Rush Chain for the next turn, you might already have two Sidekicks in in your bag. Right. So if you can go ahead and just Atlas one of those out to start, Then go ahead and fire off your Yawning Portal, field your two sidekicks, then fill your bag with your Gamora and three Bolt characters, where you have now five dice, you have a better chance of Rush firing off that next turn.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It's just using Atlas or or Res at a different period of time in the sequence. That's cool. So any other thoughts about Rush that you think that one could... I mean, ultimately, you'd prefer to have just four perfectly Rush characters in that bag if possible, correct? And then... Five isn't mandatory. Five is like the most, but four would be perfect, correct?
4: Four would be perfect, yes. that That's the ideal is to make sure that the bag is empty. You just drop four in and then you can rush and hopefully grab one of those bolt dice that are in your use pile when you refill that bag and rush triggers again. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Side note, the other thing that I'm trying to tweak was this was sort of the nerf down version of the team, what I was conceiving for Rush the actual meta version was to actually put the God catcher and to put Thor on this team yeah, as well as to, to rush those characters because I'm still trying to figure out the timing. So I know this, this is going to come out after the roll for the North, but it, it honestly, one of the teams that I'm considering rolling is basically doing this rush with Gamora and figuring out a way to load up three God catcher dice in the bag. So that way I can, a three or four God catcher dice with Gamora and rush from there.
0: Yep. Yep. Really, really strong. That would be really, really strong. Any downsides to Gamora that you ran into on the day?
4: The only downside is when she comes up as a character, <laughs> when you don't want her to come up as a character because you want to cycle her through and you don't want to pay that fielding cost, but yeah. you also want that fist yeah. for other reasons, for purchasing other things.
0: Yep, yep. She does have that uh, TFC of five, ouch, so <laughs> that could that could slow you
4: down, right? It can. It can, but when you need a character in the field zone and, you know, at least during the main step, you don't have to field her. So you can just send her off, but you just want her to come up as energy for something
0: later on. Talk to us a little bit about what you're got brewing under the hood with the role for the North.
4: So for the role with the North, it's definitely, that's one of the possibilities is going to be a Gamora rush with Godcatcher and Thor, mm-hmm. where it'll allow me just a kind of like Shadow Mill, that like can pivot between two. But when it comes to the God catcher, realistically, I want to be able just to pull all four of them at the same time and be able to roll them out in one turn. So that way I can catch my opponent off guard. Yep. That's the whole idea behind rushing with that, just to be able to put all those right in there.
0: You know, I know Lucan and I experimented with a kind of a crapshoot team like that, and we felt we needed a a two cost on the team to make that happen. Did you have any, any thoughts on that?
4: Yeah. So the two cost would definitely probably be Eddie Guerrero that that that's the one yep because i was thinking of running that with the hawkeye that allows you to ping off uh, (laughs) sidekicks for that global or actually running wand as the basic action so that way you can ping off any other characters i mean you're going to lose a life for doing that but i mean if you can have uh, <laughs> exactly right if you got game right there right. and it's gonna it's gonna cost me like seven life to ping off their characters with all those bolts and go for the win then i'll do that
0: okay well thank you rod for taking the time and and talking to us and, and again where can people find you one more time in case they missed the front end of this show youtube that's ronathan
4: px px As in Ronathan Plays and Probes.
0: (laughs) All right, right on. Thanks, Rod. Appreciate it.
4: Thanks, Arch. Always a pleasure to talk and play
0: Dice Masters with you. Right on.
4: I wish I could have been there
0: with Ron. Yeah, only so many hours in the day, my son. Nonetheless, I'm glad he has his own channel. For sure, remember to please reach out to us if you want your venue included on the page we'll be creating for local play when the time comes.
1: We're hoping that will be a resource for people looking for a place to play the game.
0: (laughs) My galore! I'm still recovering, so episodes might take a little longer than usual, but we'll be back. Slangavold! well that's the end of turn five my friends and it's time for the final clear we hoped you enjoyed today's show you can find us at RolandThunder.xyz without a G or an apostrophe, where you'll discover all the links necessary to listen or subscribe to the show. You can also reach us by email at arj or lucan at RolandThunder.xyz. Our theme music was created by Jesse Wiener. We're in no way affiliated with WizKids other than we love and celebrate the game of Dice Masters. So keep on rolling. We'll be talking again in two weeks' time with another guest. So stay tuned, enough said.